0: You're listening to Along the Narrow Way, a podcast that walks you through books of the Bible verse by verse to help you dig into God's Word, so you can walk along the narrow way with Christ more faithfully. Hosted by Pastor Will Russell and co-hosted by Jimmy Miller. Join them as they help us understand the Bible so we can walk more faithfully as disciples
1: of Jesus. All right, well, we're ready to start our Bible study tonight. We're going to pick up with 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Jimmy, I appreciate you taking care of things last week. Oh, and, no
0: problem. No um, problem.
1: Handling that. I did not have a strong enough internet connection to follow along uh, yeah, last yeah, week. Yes. So I had to do mine on my own. Um, he, so He was in the on the beach. That's right. That's right. So... Yeah. Well, i tell you what, Jimmy, if you don't mind, if you'd open us up with a word of prayer, we'll uh, jump in here to 1 Peter chapter 4. Sure will. Dear
0: Lord, we just thank you for this night to be able to come and, and uh, get into your word, Father. And I just praise you for bringing Brother Will back to us, him and his family safely, Lord. And I just praise you for all that you're doing, Lord, and the changes that are going on. and. Lord, how you're going to work a a, a mighty work. And, Father, I just pray right now, help us rightly divide your word of truth by the power of your Holy Spirit. And just apply ourselves to your word. And I pray for anybody who's lost that hears this message. Whenever they hear this message, I pray they'll feel the Holy Spirit tugging on the heart. As soon as they do, they'll come to know you, Father. And I just pray your will be done. In Jesus Christ's name we pray.
1: Amen. Amen. All right. So last week... Jimmy filled in, he, he took care of chapter 3, the, yes. the remainder of it, so we're going to pick up with verse 1 of chapter 4. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries? In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation. Speaking evil of you, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason the gospel was preached also to those who are dead that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. Let's stop right there. And uh, we'll try to get through six verses tonight. That's my goal. And uh, I'm going to try to limit myself because I have a habit of just (laughs) going and going. So let's start here. Uh, Verse 1 of chapter 4 starts with an important word. Therefore. Therefore. Yes. When you're studying the scriptures and you read therefore, that's always a signal to look back yeah. what was previously discussed. To keep everything in context, when you read therefore, you need to go back to the preceding text, see what was discussed, and then it will put into perspective what is being said. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us, in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. This chapter begins by referring back to what has previously been discussed here in chapter 3, that therefore points back uh, to the discussion of Christ's suffering. If you look there, uh, uh, verse 18 and thereafter, um, Peter goes into a discussion of the sufferings of Christ and how he suffered once for sin, how he died once for sin. He points us back, he's referring back to how Christ suffered according to God's sovereign plan. The suffering he endured, the death he died, was according to God's purpose. Through that plan, there was the liberation of all people from condemnation. It produced, ultimately, the glorification of Christ. It all was according to a sovereign plan, a sovereign will, for a sovereign purpose, bringing about a sovereign end. Because he said these things, he says, now let's move ahead. This victory that Jesus has obtained through his suffering, it is the ultimate proof that suffering happens and God is at work in the midst of suffering. Therefore, because I understand God is at work in this suffering and that Christ has suffered for purpose, let's continue on. Because Christ suffered, I need to arm myself, he says, with the same mind. Because Jesus died once and for all for sin, that he, because he suffered, because he gained victory through suffering, because God was sovereign, uh, sovereignly working out his plan through that suffering. Because I understand that, now I need to arm myself, he says. Arm myself. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind to be armed when we say that jimmy i'm going to arm myself yes what are, what are we i mean what are we getting at what are we thinking i'm thinking of the armor of god there you go yeah. spiritual weapons Spiritual
0: tree. weaponry.
1: yes that's right that uh, to arm yourself refers to weaponry that's right the bible speaks of the armor of god yes it speaks of God's word yes. as a weapon.
0: Yes,
1: We're to take up spiritual weaponry in preparation for battle. You don't arm yourself if you're not expecting battle. You don't arm yourself if you're not expecting attack. That's we right. arm ourselves to be prepared. There are many folks we know. Some here probably that they have their concealed carry weapon permit. Oh yes, yes. They don't carry a weapon looking for trouble. No. They carry a weapon to be prepared, prepared if trouble sure. comes.
0: Prepared, yes.
1: That's the connotation here. Peter says, arm yourselves to be prepared for the suffering that will come, mm. for the trouble that will find you, for the persecution that will be levied against you. Arm yourself in preparation. Now he says here, he gives a very specific, a very specific element with which to be armed. Arm yourselves also with the same mind. Yes. What same mind? The same mind that Christ suffered with. That's right. The same mind that Christ suffered with, I'm to arm myself with. This same mind refers to the same attitude, the same purpose. Christ died in the flesh for the purpose, according to the plan, according to God's sovereign will. His mindset was, not my will, but thine. That's right. You remember the Garden of Gethsemane? Yeah. Where Jesus, thinking ahead of the torment he would endure, in great grief, prayed and spoke with his heavenly father and said, Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's the mind spoken the of here. That's right. His mind, his attitude was, Lord, your purpose. Your purpose in me and through me. Lord, if I suffer, let it be according to your plan, your purpose, your will. Lord, if that's what your plan is, is that what your sovereign will is? Then I commend myself to you. I give myself fully to the purpose of God. That's what Jesus was saying. That's That's the mind we're told to take. That's right. The mind we're supposed to arm ourselves with is this attitude that says, God, I am fully yours. Fully yours regardless of what that brings. If it brings suffering, so be it. If it brings troubles, okay. If it brings conflict, whatever it might be, Lord, I'm yours. I mean, Jesus' thinking was so intense on
0: that that he knew that God would see him through the death of it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's some thinking yeah. right there, that you're not even afraid to... Now, now it troubled him, yes, yeah, yeah, and everything like that. But I don't think he was in fear
1: like no, that. No, I think what troubled him was not God's plan. <laughs> it was not God's will. It was not God's sovereignty. You have to remember he was all human while yes. being all God. And that all human side, he knew the pain. He knew yes. the suffering. He knew the torment he would endure. That's, that's where the question was yes. with it. But the overriding feeling was, God, I'm all yours. I'm all in. Whatever that may bring, your plan, God. That's right. You look back in the Old Testament, you can see an example of this in Genesis 22. Everyone's probably familiar with that. God tells Abraham to take his one and only son of promise up to Mount Moriah and to sacrifice him. And Abraham doesn't hesitate. Abraham moves along as he and Isaac are climbing the mountain. Isaac says, hey, hey, dad, we forgot the lamb. Mm. Where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham said, oh, the Lord will provide his own. That's some thinking. (laughs) What Abraham was doing, he was coming to this place where he says, God, I'm fully yours. Whatever your plan is, I'm following it. That's the mind called for here. This mindset that we give ourselves completely to God's purpose. We completely devote ourselves to God's plan.
0: I mean when you say therefore I mean that's us that's te- that's God's word telling us to look back but I, but see, Christ had that mindset he's thinking back to all the glory that he had with God mm-hmm. all God's plan and everything like he's, he's he had to get his mind off that suffering yeah. and he did he, yeah. in that prayer and all I just you know all the things I was just thinking about that was going through his mind I said mm-hmm. That's got to be one of them.
1: That's right. Well, if you refer back, since you mentioned that, if you refer back to chapter 3, right at the end of chapter 3, it speaks of the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God. Angels and authorities and powers have been made subject to him. It culminated in his ultimate honor and glory. Yes. So that mindset culminated in the ultimate position of praise and honor and glory. Yes. So that's the example set here. To be fully committed to God's purpose, regardless of what that brings, trusting in God's faithfulness to bring us to the other side, whatever that other side might be. It might mean physical death. There have been through the centuries, those martyred for their faith who were so committed to the faith, so committed to God's plan that when it brought persecution to the point of death, they endured it. That's right. God was faithful to bring them to that place of culmination of reward in heaven. So, this is really um, simply to bow and say, Not my will, but thy will be done, whatever that brings, whatever that means. In life, we face difficult issues. In life, we face traumatic times. There are those instances where we endure suffering or persecution or mistreatment or just uh, the pain of other people's actions, whatever it may be. But in that, our attitude cannot change. Our attitude must be, God, I'm fully yours given to your purpose, to your will, to your plan, trusting in your sovereignty, your faithfulness.
0: You know, here in America, we may not experience those physical tortures, at least not yet anyway, Mm -hmm. that some of these, but we will experience those people. Making fun of us not joining in on the, mm-hmm. to the passions of the flesh and right. the drunkenness and orgies—you will experience that. I do experience That's that. Right. I have, you That's know, right. That's and right. everything like that. That's the suffering. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it comes from all areas at you. It doesn't necessarily have to be somebody beating you over the head with, That's a, right. with a whip. You know, That's right. words can do a lot more damage than physical stuff well, sure. too. You know?
1: Sure, you're right about that. You're right about that. So Peter begins here by reminding us of what Christ has done, the position he holds, and how we are to have that same mindset, that same commitment, that same uh, just fervent commitment to the will of God, God's plan. He continues on here. He says, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Well, now, I don't think that's speaking of Jesus there because Jesus was sinless and perfect. That's right. So he must be speaking of human, person, a a man, a woman. He who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Well, so as I'm rationalizing this and thinking through that, I don't think there's any human being who has completely ceased from sin. I think that phrase there, now this is just my take on this, that phrase, he who has suffered in the flesh, I think that's talking about someone being martyred. Those who have died in their commitment to God, they have ceased from sin. They've entered in perfection. They've entered into a perfected state. They've entered into heaven. They they cease from sin because they're removed from the physical body and exist in their spiritual perfect state before God. Mm-hmm. They enter into this perfect, sin-free existence in glory. So you have those who, who no longer sin because, well, they're removed from the attachment to the physical flesh, but listen what else he says. Verse 2, that he should no longer, he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. The culmination of my salvation is a perfect sinless state. That occurs in heaven. But as such, I haven't reached that. But knowing that's my goal, knowing that's the culmination, knowing that's where I'm headed, I should strive to complete my time on earth here not living for the flesh, but for the will of God. Mm. I should strive to finish out my race here in such a manner that I haven't Invested in the, in the lusts of men, but in the will of God. I'm to live in pursuit. The phrase we've been using through the book of 1 Peter is a phrase, moral excellence. I'm to live in pursuit of moral excellence. I'm to try to walk in holiness, not the desires of the flesh. Sinless perfection may not be obtainable for me right now but I strive for it Uh I live for it I pursue holiness and moral excellence I should no longer live the rest of my time here bound to the flesh and the desires of the flesh but in pursuit of the will of God that's
0: kind of, it's, it's like the title said just be a steward of God's grace, not using that grace as an excuse to continue on in the passions of the flesh, but using that grace to get through the mm-hmm. passions as, and leave those behind, knowing that grace has covered that and set that's you free right. from that.
1: That's right. Which is what, that's exactly where he goes. Look at verse three. For we have spent enough time in our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness and lust and drunkenness and revels and drinking parties and abominable idolatries. He says, look, in your unredeemed life you've already spent enough time in all that nonsense Mm -hmm. but you have been redeemed through faith in christ you have been set on a new path of righteousness you've been given a new spiritual life you've been set on a new course where you can pursue the will of god you can pursue his holiness you can live in moral excellence through the power of the holy spirit you've already spent enough of that other life that former life, these, that spiritually dead life.
0: These things shouldn't be comfortable to you or anything. Even if you find yourself struggling or falling in some of these, it shouldn't be a comfort to you. It no. shouldn't be something that you agree with or try to rationalize as God's word. Really saying that this is a sin. It says it's a sin right here. Mm-hmm. It says don't be involved in this stuff. So get away from it.
1: That's right. You know, let it start falling away. That's right. Let it, let it, let it fall away from you. Yes. Paul says, put off the old and be putting on the new that's right that's the process of sanctification we talk about this progressive sanctification that means this process of growing in the character of christ sanctification is not only growing in christ's character but it is god removing those things that need to be removed from my life removing those characteristics that are not Christ-like. So when we talk about sanctification, it's not only learning the scripture to grow in the fruits of the Spirit, to grow in the character of Christ, but it also involves the work of the Holy Spirit to chisel away those aspects of my character that are still tied to the flesh, that are still sinful, that are uh, still a detriment to me. It's letting God shape you, mold you, Mm -hmm. break you, shape you,
0: mold you, break you, shape you, mold you. Just keep on doing it until he builds you the way he's planned for you Mm -hmm. to be built. That's right. Uh, it's not him messing it up, though. It's, you know, it's us right. you messing it up. And he has, well, I've got to do this with you now. And I've got to
1: make you over here now.
0: And it's just him not giving up on
1: you. That's right. That's what it is. The scriptures talk about how in a household there are vessels for honor and dishonor. And when we put away the latter, that is the dishonor. Yes. We become a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and fit for the master's use. That's right. That's that process where we deliberately remove things and work to get away from certain things so that we become a vessel unto honor, sanctified, set apart for his use in his kingdom. So Peter here says, look, before you came to faith, you already spent enough time out there doing all that. Put it away. You, you wasted enough time. Now it's time to put away those sinful things. That sinful chapter is closed. It's, it's like you've closed that page of the book. Don't reopen it. Yes. Don't go back to that chapter. It's gone. It's closed. You're Let's not watering
0: that garden no more. That's right. That garden's gone. It fell. That's right. That's <laughs> now right. enter the new garden.
1: That's right. And Peter describes it here as doing the will of the Gentiles. Now obviously there were Jew and Gentiles both coming to faith in the first century. He's not saying Gentile believers are worse than Jewish believers. or anything. the term Gentile here is just synonymous with unbelievers, with, with a reprobate, mm-hmm. with an infidel, with, with someone who's not of the faith. And he says, look, don't be doing the will of those who are not redeemed, who are worldly, who are still lost in their sin. And then he, he gives us the character, characterization of that. What does that look like? Well, it's what you used to do when you walked in lewdness. What in the world, lewdness? Well, that's, that's uh, desires based on sensuality. Mm-hmm. Those who are not redeemed, the life of the unredeemed is characterized by a life driven by desires of sensuality. Being unrestrained in the pursuit of vices, for example, it doesn't mean you're you're necessarily a you know a dope fiend or a sex addict or something. But but your life is driven by and uh, without restraint, pursuing various vices. Um, it, it can even it, it can culminate kind of be described as debauchery, just living a life of debauchery. Even it's
0: that my truth
1: kind of thing. This oh, is sure. my truth.
0: This is how this is how I think. This is. This is it. Sure. This is my
1: truth. <laughs> I think it's seen in an open defiance to God's law. It's this, it's this I may not be uh, the down and out you know, uh, alcoholic over here, or I may not be um, someone who's been arrested for this crime or that crime, but, but I just have this attitude uh, of rebellion against God's law. I, that doesn't apply to me. I believe something different. My truth is more relevant than that. It, it's that kind of attitude. He goes on and he talks about um, lusts, sinful passions that drive people, the sinful passions of the flesh, passions of the flesh that that drive people's actions and their attitudes, how they think and uh, the lifestyles they live. Those without the power of the Holy Spirit within them The Bible says are slaves to sin and are bound to fleshly passions, Mm -hmm. lustful passions. It's no wonder that we have uh, people in our world who engage in various lifestyles and and ideologies that are so anti-biblical. Because they're following just the sinful passions of their flesh. That's right. Without the Holy Spirit, they... They have no other alternative. They're not free in their thinking or their actions. He goes on and he mentions here, he says, lewdness, lust, drunkenness. Drunkenness. That's a reference to intoxication. Being under the influence. We immediately think alcohol there. I think that applies to anything that can, can wield an influence over our thinking. Yes.
0: Um,
1: an intoxication of any form. Um, that's, that's a description of an unredeemed life, those who will allow intoxicating elements to, to inhibit their processing, whether that's alcohol or drugs, or I would even say uh, various uh, passions of the flesh that alter our mind. For example, science now understands that, um, especially for young people, a certain amount of, of just viewing screen time alters the way their brain patterns yeah. work. Uh, we we know science has proven that that uh, pornography use alters the way your synapses fire. I was going to bring that. So, up. So these things become an intoxicant, affecting the way you mentally process.
0: I heard somebody put the pornography. I'm not going to just play on because all those are mess your mind up. But pornography, they say, affects your mind just like. Heroin or something That's like right. that does it That's changes right. your mind that it, much? It,
1: it literally changes uh, the physiology, that, the way your synapses work. And, and people all that. like,
0: why don't they just turn the t- turn it off? Well, it's it's a it's it a is. drug habit. You it it can't is. do it.
1: It is. It is. You're right. You're right. You Science is finally catching up with this. Yeah. See, God warned about it all along. He didn't say change your brain. He just said stay away mm-hmm. from it. And now we're figuring out why. Yeah. So. He goes on, he says here, um, revelries, revelries, that's an uninhibited conduct. Um, Eat, drink, and be merry, just go party. It's it's a carousing nature where you just go run around with people and um, you disrupt normal behavior because you're just too busy acting nuts, being, you know, sowing your wild oats is kind of how we used to say it, that kind of (laughs) thing. Um, a lifestyle where there's no in- inhibitions to that. It's just how I live. It's just what I do.
0: You know, these drinking parties, and, and I don't condone any young people that do these drinking parties or anything, but I, I re- it, to me as an older person, it's somebody that's older that still tries to hang out and be them younger people. Mm. You know, and stuff like that that's into these drinking parties well, and stuff like that. They don't grow out of it, they just stay in it.
1: What you find there is, uh, I think, a, a reference to those who party for the sake of partying.
0: Yeah, I just wanted, that's it. I'm,
1: you know, uh, drinking parties, you mean I'm not supposed to get together with my family and we're not supposed to something? No, no, no. This is people who no, party no. for the sake of partying. Yeah, it's just they're, for the heck of it. They're drinking to drink, they're getting drunk to get drunk. I yeah. hate
0: to say that some Razorback games are like that. Oh, there's I a may be, I, I, I may get a lot of booze out there for well,
1: that. Well, hey. There's I, a lot of that. I've been also. there, you know. There's a lot of that, <laughs> that goes on. <out. laughs> it's, it's the mentality that says, I pursue lust for the sake of lust, desire for the sake of desire, sensuality for the sake of sensuality. I, I just, I carouse just to carouse. I just do what I do. And then he wraps it up with abominable idolatries. Abominable idolatries. Uh, of course, most simply put, that's a, a debased worship of false gods, which that does Mm. entail that. But I think it involves here, based off this list, idols of sensuality, where I worship these desires, where Mm -hmm. I prioritize these things of the flesh, as well as the idols of false religion. Mm, You know, I think it's all included there. So we have a description here of the... Uh, unbridled human nature, I think. I think what Peter says here is, look, you you lived one way before you came to Jesus. Now you have a new life. Put that away.
0: I've often heard these people described as free spirits.
1: Free spirits. Yeah. Yeah. Now that sounds nice and everything, doesn't it? (laughs) The problem is it contradicts Scripture where time and again, Peter and Paul, the apostles, use this term, I'm a bondservant of Christ. There you go. In the Greek, it literally says slave. That's right. I'm not called to be a free spirit. I'm called to be a slave of That's Christ. Right. I'm bound to the authority of Jesus Christ. Your soul was bought. That's right. You are purchased as <laughs> Christ. That's right. That's what the word redeemed means. Yeah. To be purchased. Absolutely. That's right. Pursuing moral excellence means putting these things away. Time and again, since chapter 2, Peter has talked about living a life of moral excellence. He's brought that into the connotation of suffering, following the example of Christ. And the reality is, he says, put all this away because you cannot live a life of moral excellence if you're still living the heathen life you used to live before. That's right. Now, I do not believe... This indicates that a person comes to faith in Christ and they're instantly perfected. They no longer have <laughs> sinful desires. They no longer have any habits. There are those who still struggle with things, who yeah. work consistently to break yeah, sinful I mean, habits. But the point is, you're working to break yeah. them. You're working to move ahead. You're working to move past.
0: I mean, really, before you come to Christ, you really don't recognize a lot of sin in your That's life. Right. You That's know? right. You recognize that you need Jesus, and mm-hmm. you get that calling, but... Really, the Holy it takes the Holy Spirit to reveal to you your sin and your things mm-hmm. That's that, right. that you know that you really need to deal with your character. That's right. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, uh, in the epistles, Paul points out that. The things of God are of a spiritual nature, and the spirit of man can't ascertain a spiritual truth Uh that is only done through the spirit of God. So until we have the spirit of God, we can't really grasp this and recognize sin for sin and truth for truth and so forth. It takes the Holy Spirit to do that.
0: That's why they say they're surprised when you don't join them. They don't understand. That's right. Look
1: at that. That's exactly right. That's right. Uh, Verse 4. Yes. In regard to these, they think it's strange. That is, they're surprised that you do not run with them. I really like the way that's phrased. You do not run with them. Born again believers' lives change and should change so much that we stand in stark contrast to those of the world. And there are those that we used to run with, we don't run with anymore. And they think it's strange. Why don't you run with me anymore? Well, because we're on two different paths. That's right. Two different purposes, abiding in two different wills.
0: You're on a broad way, and now I'm on a narrow way. That's right.
1: That's (laughs) right. That's right. Uh, In chapter 3, we read how we no longer live to please ourselves. My unredeemed friend is still living in a life where he seeks to please himself, to do what he desires to do. I'm in a in a life now, redeemed through Christ, under his authority, living to please him. Yes. Not myself or my desires anymore.
0: I like how you say run. I'm not running that yeah. race to destruction. I'm running that race That's
1: right. to life. That's right. Yeah. That's right. If if I have friends and I still have a few that I speak to once in a blue moon, they they really kind of stay away from me anymore, but <laughs> Every now and then I do still see a, uh, a friend or two from way back in the day And it's just a strangeness between us Because yeah. we're on two separate polar ends of life Yeah And that's the way it is I get that That's the way it is And that's what Peter's describing here Look you used to live that way And now you you're running buddies think it's strange how you live They don't act that way They don't live that way Because they're not been, they've not been redeemed Through the blood of the Lamb They're not on the same path as you if I could go and see my old buddies and they don't feel it's a little strange, then I'm not where I need to be with the Lord.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not saying I'm rude to them. I'm not saying I'm awkward towards them. I'm just saying if if they could be comfortable around me in my pursuit of Christ, there's something wrong with my pursuit of Christ.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, you, you know what I mean? I'm... Now, I'm not saying the occasional, hey, how you doing? Good to see you. How are the kids okay. Part ways. I'm talking about if I spent time with them. Yeah, yeah, They should not be comfortable because we're on two different paths with two different spirits. We belong to two different kingdoms. And that's what Peter's getting at here. You don't run with them anymore. They don't run with you. In fact, they should think this is kind of strange.
0: i tell you this. I don't get invited to very many drinking parties anymore. <laughs> that's
1: right. There'd be something wrong if you did. There'd be something wrong if you did.
0: Every now and then, like you said, you'll come across somebody, yeah, you are going to have a beer with me or something? No, you mean you won't drink anything? You won't have a drink? I'll, I'll have a drink with you, sell pop, yeah, Mount Dew or something, I'll drink with you. But I'm not going to drink no beer with you. Right. I'm done
1: right. with that. It's, you've closed the chapter. That's what yeah. Peter's good at. You close the chapter and you move on. He uses this terminology. I, I just want to point out here. Um, he says... Uh, They think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation. I think that terminology is pretty important. Um, The unredeemed person's mind is flooded with sensual dissipation. That that is a mental corruption. And that's what that really refers to. Being mentally corrupted so that all I think about Are the pursuits of the flesh. That unredeemed mind, that that mind that is the unbridled human mind with no limits on human sensuality and, and fleshly desires, it's a mind corrupted so that it only pursues those fleshly passions. And when I say that, we immediately think to the worst, but I don't mean that. How many people you know who are driven? By the love of money. By the advancement of career. That's their passion. It's not Christ, it's not the kingdom. (laughs) People who are driven for power or prominence, that's all their mind's consumed with. Not bringing glory to the prominence of Christ or advancing the prominence of his kingdom. And it can go as far as those, uh, what we consider those sinful. And, and detrimental actions and, and terrible activities. The point here is, Peter's pointing out, look, your mind's no longer flooded with this corruption. You have a redeemed mind and the ability to think through the guidance of the Holy Spirit about the matters of the kingdom. They don't. That's right. They don't. It's a carnal nature, a carnal mind, and what happens because you are different and than they are now and they still have this carnal nature and carnal mind. Look at what happens. The very end of verse 4, speaking evil of you. These These are the people who were your buddies, but you've come to faith in Christ. You've closed that chapter of your life. You're living in the pursuit of his will and the pursuit of his holiness. You're living in moral excellence. Yet these people who are still bound to this carnal nature and carnal mind, they'll speak evil of you. Now, that speaking evil of you, now
0: they may call you a holy roller and all that, but I think some of them, now you can correct me if I'm wrong, might be nitpicking at you a little bit. Like, he still does a little bit, you know. Oh, well, I still see him a little bit like this. You, you can't be a real Christian right. if he's doing that. Now, I mean, you know, we should watch the way we walk, but I mean, you know, mm-hmm. we're human too. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think people. You know.
1: Well, I, like, look I think at it, you. Comes, it comes in many different forms. Yeah. It can come in, in, in sh- being shunned It can, and uh, being berated. It can it can come in that form of being nitpicked when you do stumble, when there's a flaw. That happens a lot uh, among family members. When you oh, have family members, yeah, you, you're redeemed and your family member's not and you're trying to live the faithful Christian life and they don't care for it and and there's a little bit of conflict there. It's what Christ talked about when he said, I will separate mother and daughter, father and son, and yeah. divide households. He's like, and, and they'll nitpick you. Oh, yeah, holy roller, yeah, Christian. So, I yeah, see, you're right. Dude, you've done
0: all that before. And you've, I've heard you say this and that. And I was mm-hmm. like, but I don't want to do. I, I've That's realized right. that stuff, and I'm sorry for that stuff and everything like it that. It conflicts <laughs>
1: the nature yeah. you have yeah. when you do it. Absolutely. <sighs> Absolutely. Well, uh, Peter here says, look, they'll do that. That'll happen. But verse five, he goes on, they, that is the unredeemed, they, those who are still of the carnal nature and mind, they, who, those who speak evil of you, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. The reality is those who attack God's children will give an account to the Father. They will. Plain and simple, there's a righteous judge, and he will call them to give an account. It may make my life miserable now, but there will be a day of reckoning. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't grasp onto that as a vengeful mentality, but rather a comforting, you know what? I can endure this now because their day will come. Yes. If I can't win them to the gospel, they'll stand before the righteous judge. So their day will come. So it's not an excuse to... Think evil or or vindictively. It's just a, a measure of take comfort that they're either going to come to repentance. They'll be ashamed of what they've said and done, or they're not going to come to repentance and they'll stand before the judge. Yes. So be comforted in that is what he's saying. Take comfort there. Take comfort. And then he he goes on and he says, for this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead. That literally means they have died. They heard the gospel. They received it. They died. That they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Remember, Peter's talking about suffering. He's talking about suffering here. Taking the same mind as Christ in that I'm committed wholly to God and his purpose, even if suffering comes to the point of death. And so he says here, this is the reason that the gospel was sent, that it was preached. That those people could hear the gospel, receive the gospel, come to faith in Christ, and he says, who are dead. They were persecuted. You have to think, knowing the history in which this book was written, and the persecution that Rome was bringing upon Christians, you have to think that some of the people who read this book, it was a letter at the time, when they read that statement, probably had in their mind friends, family, church members who had been persecuted to the point of death already. And Peter saying, look, because suffering is a reality, the gospel was sent that you could be redeemed, that you could be rescued, that you could be given an eternal life, and you might be judged according to men in the flesh. That is, you might be persecuted to the point of death in the flesh, but you're alive According to God in his spirit. You have an eternal life that will never go away. You have been delivered from the power of sin. You have escaped the judgment of sin. You have an eternal life. You have a home in heaven. So even if you're judged in the flesh. And you're persecuted in the flesh. To the point of even dying. Being killed. You're victorious. Mm-hmm. You're victorious to the power of God. So Peter Here at the beginning of chapter 4, ties in the end of chapter 3 and the suffering of Christ, and how we are to take this same commitment to God's purpose, to His plan, trusting in His sovereignty, understanding that even if it leads to us to the point of death, we're victorious in Him. That's right. In the end, no matter what. And that's where I'm going to stop, because that's about where we need to stop. And we'll pick up with verse 7 next week. Jimmy, any other thoughts on this? Man,
0: we just need to be ready and be have that mindset of Christ, just thinking, thinking the way He does to crucify the passions of the flesh. You mm-hmm. know, because He suffered for those passions right. in, of the flesh and suffered so we might not have to suffer because of the passions of the flesh. And that's stuff. right. And we'll arm live that seals, out. Arm ourselves with preparation. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Arm ourselves for preparation. All right.
1: Well, we want to thank everyone who tunes in and studies with us online. We know that's There's so many of you spread around. We appreciate you doing that. And those of you who uh, click on that podcast and listen along with us, that's a pretty neat thing. That's something that I never, ever thought I'd ever be a part of. It's a miracle how God works. I don't know how it works. I can't make it work, but it happens. So thank you for being a part of that. Um, Once again, as always, I don't want to sign off without inviting you to be here at the church with us any Wednesday night, any Sunday morning or Sunday evening Bible studies. You are all welcome anytime to to, uh, come here and fellowship with the household of faith. So thank you for staying with us. We're going to sign off and have prayer time with the church now, and we'll catch you next week. You have been listening to Along the Narrow Way, hosted by Pastor Will Russell and co-hosted
0: by Jimmy Miller. If you haven't done so, subscribe to the podcast so you can get updates on new episodes. Thank you for listening, and remember to stay faithful to walk along the narrow way with Jesus.